And welcome to episode three of the DIY Passion Podcast. My name, Daniel Arthur Baskell, sitting here with my lovely, beautiful wife, Erin. Erin. That's right. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. And I'm actually really thrilled today that you've decided to take the lead on this podcast. This is a big leap for you. Is this me taking the lead? I think it's you taking the lead. All right. I guess, uh, well, that's new. Because I know what we're going to be talking about, and I know that it's something that is near and dear to you, only in the sense that you've got some sort of childlike fascination with this. It is a fascination. Not an obsession, but fascination. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I based on the video promotion that we've shot for this podcast, it is a little weird. I don't know if it's weird. It's just, it's a fascination. You said it. It's no more than that. <laughs> okay. So what is it I'm talking about? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you about something that I think is, again, fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you today about the tiny home craze. Tiny home craze. Tiny Not just home. like the small starter home craze. No, no, no. Nothing like that. No. Yeah. This is much more interesting. It's something I heard about three or four years ago. I was just browsing online and I came across this company called the Tumbleweed Tiny House Company. And I was fascinated. They were selling these tiny 300 square foot homes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, huh, that's kind of neat. They were selling plans for these homes, DVDs, how-tos, little workshops in and around the States, all extremely cool. As in how to, how to build one or how to live in one? Because I think that there's sort of two DIY slash lifestyle elements there is that that doesn't appear to be, that's really not a lot of square footage, so building one wouldn't necessarily be that difficult. You wouldn't think. But living in one, oh my gosh. I like, think it's a little of A, a little of B. I think they're talking about how you can live in this kind of space and how you can build in this kind of space. So where do you think that the craze three or four years ago, you said it kind of started, but I started seeing them too. Like I'm not new to this, but like I started seeing them when the, that whole real estate bubble happened when the global recession hit in 2008 and all of a sudden people in these what were called in the news, the Mick mansions, the people who had purchased well beyond their means, who had mortgages on mortgages, who were leveraged to their teeth. Um, people started eschewing the notion that we need to live in so many thousand square feet. And all of a sudden you saw people go to the extreme and live in these 300 square foot homes. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I, I think it was uh, the movement, as it's known now, has definitely caught a lot of momentum then. And I think this particular example started off as just one guy and his his home that turned into a business and a model for him. And really what they're doing is is they're selling a lifestyle. And it's, again, it's a reaction to that, that bubble popping. It's a reaction to the excesses that kind of went down the tube you know, mm-hmm. uh, six or seven years ago that, that, that really needed, uh, that forced a change. 
in kind of our culture. And from that respect, though, you can kind of get it. Like sometimes when you yeah. really get to thinking that, you know, where we're, where we record our podcast is in our blog office, but also off of the blog office is my walk-in closet with all of my, you know, I can count my 12 pairs of, you know, stiletto heels. And I had to put in an extension so I could fit uh-huh. all of my dresses. Yeah. And then I actually calculate the square footage of my closet. And it's probably about 75 square feet. It's like and a tiny home. It's not a big closet. Well, but I mean, it's a third of a tiny home. Sure. Absolutely. So then you start to think about it in that respect. And I think, do I really need 12 pairs of stilettos? Because I really don't wear them that often. I just like to look at them. So is it, I think it reinforces that we need to constantly be reevaluating our vanity and our attachment to, to stuff. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was thinking uh, on that point, I was thinking, okay, why are people making this switch? And, and first off, that was one of them. It seems very much uh, a Zen choice. It's yeah. less complicated. Um, and it's on that point, you're forced, uh, if you're moving into a home like that, you're forced to take only what you can't leave behind, basically. You, you really can't take more than the absolute bare necessities. Yeah. I think you should break into song now. <laughs> No. No? Okay. okay. I wasn't expecting you to say that. No, but you're right. And But the thing, and then how do you, because even the bare necessities in, in this day and age, 300 square foot feet, it's still very difficult to, to fit all that in because, you know, you need a kitchen. Yeah. You need some place to keep your food cool and or frozen at yeah. some point. You need a place to sleep. Yeah. You need a place to use the bathroom. To bathe, you to need, use the bathroom. Yeah, and... and you know, you do need some place to relax. I'd say like, you know, someone who lived in a university dorm for four years straight, only having your bed as your couch and your bed and whatever, it's not mentally healthy. It's natural for us to seek someplace else to relax and to to spend time. So you kind of need that too. Um, so achieving that is, is a feat, I think of modern engineering and physical space, Absolutely. Um, it's it's not a shelter we're talking about here. It's yeah. not purely a shelter. This is, these are designed to be homes. Um, uh, if, if, but to hit all those points, that they, it needs to be a space that meets all your basic needs, but you have to live, you have to feel comfortable, you have to want to come home to this place. Mm-hmm. And I think, and we'll get into in a little bit here, some of the creative solutions that uh, the designers of these homes have taken on to, to make it a livable space are really neat. Um, and, and maybe now's the time. Maybe we should just talk about these specs and, and not only how tiny is tiny, and, and we are talking really tiny here, folks. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, what are the things that they're doing that allow these people to really maximize their space and really make it something special? So the question then that I want to ask, and this is completely rhetorical and likely not answerable because it's probably so individual, but does having a tiny home because it forces you to really cut down to the core of things, um, does it make you happier? Well, I guess uh, that's a question for someone living there, but it'd be interesting to see, to ask that of someone who's been there for three months, yeah, a year, five years, if they're still in that. Yeah. How have they adapted? Are they missing anything? Are they happy? Mm-hmm. Because... I went. I, I went and looked at some of these specs. This is what I found. Um, there's no. There's no 
tried and true definition of, of what constitutes a tiny home. There's no, if it hits X number of square feet, it's no longer a tiny home. It's nothing like that. But they do range uh, up to 500 square feet, typically, in these mm-hmm. plans. Mm-hmm. But they can get as small as 117 square feet. So that, let's put that in perspective, perspective. and we'll post a picture of this, but that's actually smaller than our backyard garden shed where we keep our lawn furniture and our and our lawnmower. Our lawnmower and our potting soil. Because that's that's fifteen by fifteen, give or take, or whatever. So that's that's like living in your backyard shed. Yeah. Again, living, working, sleeping, bathing, cooking, eating, entertaining. It's fascinating. And it's I think if anything that I'm really happy that you suggested that we at least talk about this because defining it notwithstanding, it's a great conversation to have because at the end of the day, it makes you realize there are people who live and who choose to live in that environment. So does that make our house enormous? We have 1,900 square feet, 2,000 square feet, whatever it is. Is our house enormous? Or, you know, some people I know in... The southern United States, it's normal for homes to be 3,500, oh 4,000 yeah. square feet. So, in re- you know, it's all relative. Yeah. What What is tiny? I know. And, and us ever complaining about this home is, is the ultimate definition of first world problem. But, um, yeah, it, it begs the question, is this, A, are these people cracked? Or, B, are we cracked for thinking that we need that much space? Mm-hmm. And the dog just sneezed. I know. I got to say that if we lived in a tiny home, we probably would not have an 80-pound Rottweiler because no. <laughs> he would take up too much space. So you know what? Let's take a break here um, because what you've reminded me of is you've made me go back in time and remember where we started when we wanted to get a dog, but we couldn't get a dog because we did live in a much smaller space. So we, we do have some really great tips for... Um, living in a tiny space as if you're not in a tiny space so absolutely let's take a little break let's grab a drink let's stretch let's build a tiny house and let's come back (laughs) okay hey while we're taking a breather this is the perfect time for you to find us online our blog is www.diypassion.com you can also reach out to us on facebook at facebook.com slash diypassion or email us at diypassionblog at gmail.com. And of course, if you're looking for information about this particular episode, you can find it in the show notes located on our blog under the podcast tab. And we are back. Aaron, we are back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Folks, thanks for continuing to listen in. You know, if you're liking what you're hearing... Feel free to give us a nice little rating on the iTunes. If you like what you're hearing, give us maybe three, four, five stars. Not three. We'd like five stars. And also, while you're there, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash DIY Passion. That's where we actually post all of the video teasers uh, first for our podcast. So if you want kind of the firsthand look, we're always on the Facebook. And uh, you can find all those social links, of course, on our blog by visiting www.diypassion.com. And Dan's going to be posting all of his relevant links to this chat on the post associated with this podcast as well. So there's just lots to discover, and we hope that you do. So let's get to it, because you wanted to actually talk about our experiences in a quote-unquote, like I'm doing air quotes right now, but you can't yeah. see it, in a tiny home. A tiny home. True uh, true and through and true. Through and through 700-square-foot apartment that mm-hmm. we owned 
And 700 square feet isn't even, this isn't even tiny home we're talking here, but no. it felt tiny. It sure did feel tiny because the context is, is that I bought it on my own. And then within about six weeks of me purchasing it, I met Dan and that was the end. And I realized that we had to merge two people and two sets of possessions uh-huh. and three cats. We didn't have Buddy, but we had three cats at the time into this tiny apartment. A few paperbacks, too. Oh, my goodness. Yes, you guys. Dan, he would never admit it, but he has a paperback addiction. And I like my hardcover books. I buy the special ones in hardcover, but he buys lots of paperbacks. So um, we had definitely had to get creative with storing our possessions. We had to become very cognizant of our attachment to possessions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then especially when it came around, I think, to selling that condo, um, our attention to detail and to smart storage and to highlighting it as an asset really helped us net top dollar for that property when we went to sell it. Yeah. So now think for a moment here. When we first moved in together, we had a lot of stuff. Yeah, we did. What did we have to give up? Ooh, so we, we got rid of one TV. We had two TVs, so the first thing that went was I put my foot down and got rid of one TV, which is hilarious because I used to work in television, but that had to go. Um, Some paperbacks. We definitely had to call the paperbacks, and we we did a big number on um, some of the extras, like like sheets and bedding. Like yeah. I love bedding, yeah. but we only had, we had our bed and then we had a guest bed. So we only really needed, you know, three sets of sheets. We didn't need five or six we sets. We didn't need to hold on to those sets of sheets. We can count around since we left home 10 yeah, years prior. Exactly. That we were still carrying on to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So an initial purge is necessary. It's difficult, but necessary. And, and for that, I would say just be practical. Yeah. And they're yeah. all the duplicates, but we still, it still felt like we had a lot of stuff. But I think for us at that time, it, it's still, you know, we purged, we got rid of a lot, we pared down, but we were still left with uh, the need to find homes for some of the essentials and what yeah. we deemed as essentials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, let's just talk about that condo for a moment. And we had one closet that wasn't our master closet to deal with for storage. So really, what were some of the, can you recall some of the tricks we had for uh, helping with our storage situation at the condo? I can think of a couple off the top of my head. In the closet situation, yeah. And, And I should say before we go on that I have managed to find some historical pictures of this condo so I will uh, post a gallery of those on this post as well which will be hilarious because we'll be like oh my god they lived in that Um, so the first thing is to to get those closet organizers and to make sure that you're maximizing the space in every closet that you have from floor to ceiling and in fact when you look at those tiny homes those people who are living in 300 square feet they use every square inch they look at the home as for what it is. Under it's the stairs. Under storage. the stairs. And you own, when you buy a house, you own all of it. You don't yeah. just own the floor. You don't yeah. just own the walls. You own all of the space between the floors and the ceiling. Cubic feet. So use it. Yeah. That's my number one trick. And a lot of people don't do that. Especially in the closet. Yeah. As you said, using the full height of the closet. Yeah. You don't need two feet at the top where nothing's happening. Yeah. And for shelves there. Use it for your hat collection. I do have a hat. I have shoe. I have more shoes than you. We didn't mention that earlier. Whoa, stop the presses. He just admitted this publicly. It's true. We assessed that. I think this means that I get to go shoe shopping. Okay, I (laughs) digress. Um, So, but I guess that leads us to something that I wanted to talk about, which was dead space. Um, You can find dead space. Dead space exists between the studs and your walls. So if you're at all handy, it's really easy to, to pull out a piece of that drywall 
reclaim that space in the studs mm-hmm. between the walls. You can create a medicine cabinet. You can create a, a shallow bookcase. You can create even a spice rack or a space to keep sort of dry baked goods in, in beautiful mason jars in the kitchen, depending on your setup. Yeah. Another really, really high value dead space is that stupid, stupid space above builder grade cabinets in the uh, kitchen. I don't understand it. I think builders are starting to move away from doing that, but you end up with about 13 inches of absolute dead space up there. Buy baskets and fill your boots. You want to know our trick? That's where we kept our Christmas decorations. Yeah. In baskets, in the kitchen. We only needed them once all a year. year round. Yeah. Uh, they were stowed away and they were hidden and nobody knew the knew. The yeah, difference. It was perfect. Yeah. There was also under the bed, a classic dead space. Yeah. We had opportunity to, again, uh, use vacuum seal bags to store our uh, extra kind of winter clothes or, or linens and anything too heavy for the summer or vice versa come the winter time. Yeah. Um, so that was very an obvious one. How about entryways? Oh, entryways are really hard, but that's where you have to get into the culling and being really strict about how many shoes are going to end up at the entry. All Um, of the shoes. No, no, not all of the shoes. I mean, our, our front hall closet, to give you a sense, was our recycling center. It was our front hall closet. It was where we kept our gift wrap. It was also where we kept, um odds and sods in terms of audio equipment and we had a stereo in there I mean we it was multi-purpose everything but what I would say is customize 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 know what you love know what you need and build around that and then your place is always going to look clean and it's always going to appear to be functional yeah and we're not talking expensive solutions no 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 even even our in-closet storage systems that's something that if you've got a bit of know-how or and the willingness to do so, something yeah. you can put together yourself with a bit of creativity. Um, you can talk about simple switches like switching from uh, sliding doors over a closet to bifolds. Yeah. It gives you the full access to the entirety of the closet rather than only dealing with half of the opening at any one time because you're sliding the other half out of the way. Yeah, that's a little bit controversial only because, of course, bifolds then take up a tiny bit of space in the room like you need the space to be able to open them but at the end of the day having that access to inside the closet i think is way more valuable especially if you're in a space that's smaller than 800 square feet yeah Uh, yeah i mean i think ultimately the lesson we have to learn here that we we have learned both ourselves and then looking to see at this tiny home movement again yeah what people are doing is as Aaron said, for one, use every inch of space you got. Don't be afraid to be creative with how you use it. It doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be, you know, books that are showing or pouring out of every no, nook and cranny. Can I just interrupt? What I would oh, say yeah. just as an addition to that really quickly is that when you are going to use all your space, just use the same finishing. So if you love wicker baskets, then just make sure all the baskets are wicker mm-hmm. and it'll all look nice and uniform and it won't make your eye dance around too much. It'll make the space appear bigger. If you're going to go with above the cabinet, um, storage above there. Try to match the color of your baskets to your cabinets. So there's no visual break. That's the other key is that small homes need to feel big. And the best way to do that is to cut down on contrast and to increase the light value. And the yeah. way to do that is just to keep your materials very, um, very uh, much the same. Yeah. And yeah. actually on that note, you mentioned a great point on those tiny homes windows they maximize their use of of window light they, yeah they, they wherever they can put in a window they're putting one in and it in effect makes the space feel bigger so again it's back to looking to the example of what we can learn from those that are forced or choose to live into smaller spaces 
and just acknowledging that it doesn't have to be crammed in. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to feel small. All right. You well, can be creative about what you're doing. And one last thing, I have okay. to mention this. Okay. There's a really, really cool guy named Daniel Norris who plays for the Toronto Blue Jays, my favorite <laughs> baseball team. And the man lived in a van for eight months of the year. Okay. He's, he's a millionaire. He's, he's, he's no small... Uh, he's got the money. He's got the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he chose to, uh, to kind of cook his veggies in a van and, and live in a VW bug. Yeah, that's a bit of a happy thing to do. Not for most of us, but again, proof that uh, there's happiness and peace in the smallest of spaces. All right. Well, I think that this gives us some good fodder for another podcast about organizing and uh, purging, because we're in a constant state of purging all of um, things that we don't need, and it's quite therapeutic. So let's put that on the list of topics to to delve into. In the meantime, I'm going to go see if I can live in that closet at least with my stilettos for the rest of the night and maybe with a bottle of wine. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can find us on iTunes and uh, we'd appreciate a five-star rating. That would be fabulous. Or you can find us online, DIYpassion.com. I'm Erin. I'm Dan. Cheerio. Thanks for listening. For more information about advertising, sponsoring, or being a guest on the DIY Passion podcast, please email us at DIYpassionblog.com at gmail.com.